Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to another episode of Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, a podcast dedicated to helping you take back control of your mental health and life. In today's episode, I interview successful serial entrepreneur, leading motivational speaker, filmmaker and media mogul, Tom Bilyeu, on how to curate powerful mindsets how to build mental resilience, break negative thought patterns, how to navigate the pain of criticism and use it to your advantage. And Tom shares some key things to being able to keep going when things get tough. Tom also shares some great tips on relationships, business, and how to overcome self-limiting beliefs. Tom co-founded the billion-dollar nutrition company, Quest Nutrition. I love their birthday cake protein bar. And went on to found Impact Theory with his business partner and wife, Lisa. Impact Theory is a media platform dedicated to empowering people around the world to take back control of their lives and health. I was just recently interviewed by Tom on Impact Theory. The link for this interview will be in the show notes. If you enjoy my podcast and want to know how you can help me continue making them possible, please consider subscribing wherever you listen and leaving a five-star review. And please continue sharing this podcast with friends and family and keep sharing about it on social media. I love seeing what you guys found helpful. Now, on to today's episode. Tom you I'm so excited to interview you today. You really are someone that I admire tremendously, and I love your podcast. You have an incredible, deep a mind that just thinks so deeply. You really are a learner. I know that's a big deal for you, and I just love a learner. It's just very exciting for me to interview you, and thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, coming in to share your wisdom with us today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's going to be amazing. So before we start, can you just just tell my listeners and viewers, most people know you, but just tell them a little bit about you and who you are and what motivates you and, you know, tell us what's not in your bio, you know, give us a little bit of inside information. I, I would be utterly shocked if most people knew who I was. So my background is I went to film school and wanted to make movies. And this was back in the 90s when I graduated I didn't have any money and I didn't have a resume or anything that was going to get me a job. And so I met these two very successful entrepreneurs and this is taking a very long story and condensing it. This is the highlight version. And they said, look, if you want to control the art, you have to control the resources. So why don't you come with us and get rich? And I was like, that sounds amazing. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to do that. And I thought it would take 18 months. It took 15 years, but it did work. And we did multiple companies, but ultimately the one that was very successful was a company called Quest Nutrition. We took that from not existing and turned it into a billion dollar company, exited that a few years ago, started a new company. As you know, meaning and purpose matter so much. 
And all the money in the world is not going to give you meaning and purpose. So I just knew that I wanted to do something powerful. And over those 15 years had really changed the way that I thought. And it was no longer just about making films for mm. the sake of storytelling. It was about harnessing the power of story to help people change their identity, but to do it in a truly entertaining way. So our thing is the stated mission of Impact Theory, my new company, is to pull people out of the matrix at scale by giving them an empowering mindset through storytelling. And so that's what I do now. The people who know me know me for the direct-to-camera stuff like what we're doing right now. Yeah. But I actually think of this as a pretty small part of what I do. Mm -hmm. I'm focused on to take a different approach to identity. I'm trying to follow in my own unique way the footsteps of Walt Disney. So that's mm -hmm. how I think of myself from a career perspective is, you know, what would Disney look like if it were founded today? I'm not trying to be him, but I'm trying to learn from what he did, which is really pretty extraordinary. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. And your your whole story with the Quest Bars is really interesting as well. How you were helping your mom and your sister and how that whole thing came out. Can you just yeah. talk a, just a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So the punchline to that is mm -hmm. people people always tell you to have passion, but nobody talks about why. So yeah. you're big That's on good. energy. So I'll, I'll talk about energy from the level of ATP. So people always ask me like, how are you able to you know, do the things you're able to do? And because I talk a lot about grinding and working hard and all that stuff. Yeah. And my thing is the reason people tell you to have passion is you get energized by that. So I honestly don't know how it functions at a cellular level in terms of, you know, your body has to be able to make ATP. So part of it is yeah. I eat well. That's a huge part of my journey. Yeah. Part of it is that I work out. That's a huge part. And then the other part, which is sort of the one that I don't know exactly how it plays out at a cellular level, but people can feel it. Like when you tap into mm. something you're amped about, you're like, yeah, you know, I can do this. I can keep going. It's 2 a.m., yeah. but that's all right. Like I've got results. I can dig in. And I had learned that already. So I knew coming mm. into Quest that Quest was actually a question mark. We didn't know what we were going to do. I had gone in and quit and we had been building a technology company. I'd been chasing money, right? Telling my story. So I'd been trying to get rich <laughs> so I could make movies. Yeah. And what I realized is the struggle is guaranteed. The success is not. So mm. I'd better find something that I enjoy the struggle. So what I kept saying to my wife was I want to feel alive. And what do I mean by that? I want to be energized. I want to be passionate. So mm. there's just something when you're tapped into something you really care about. Yeah. You're just hyped. So I was like, I want to feel like that all the time. So I went in and told my partners, look, I quit. I'm not crossing the finish line. So I don't think I should get anything for this. I had about $2 million in equity. I gave it back. I was like, I, I just need to go feel alive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they were cut off guard and they said, look, let's do something together. Let's keep doing something together. I said, it would need to be a totally different company. It need to be something I'm passionate about all of, you know, the things that would give me energy. And we said, what would that be? And my partner was obsessed with nutrition. And so I was like, well, there's a lot of logic to pursue yeah. that. You're, you're so knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. And he used to talk a lot about something that was a really powerful insight, which was in food, not only can you make massive impact on people's lives if you mm -hmm. do it right, but you're making a product that people actually eat. Like they have to keep coming back. And I was like, wow, that's really true. And as a sales and marketing guy, I was like, that gives me a chance to impact their lives with all these different touch points. Mm. So, but to have the sort of passion and enthusiasm, it's a quote often attributed to Mother Teresa. I don't know if she actually said it or not, but I love saying that it was her. No one will act for the many, but people will act for the one. Mm. And so I was just like, dude, if I can find a way to go, okay, my partner's obsessed with nutrition. How do I find a personal connection to that? I had my own journey. 
but to save my mom and my sister who were morbidly obese. And I was like, they're going to die younger than they need to because of the way that they eat. So could we make food that they chose based on taste? And it happened to be good for them. So that became the North star, the guiding light. And Mm. we didn't know if it would make for a big business. We knew we were business savvy, so we weren't going to make stupid decisions, Mm -hmm. but we thought, can we emotionally, it'll be way more fulfilling if we prioritize value creation for the customer over profitability. Now you can't be blind to profitability, but if you understand how to generate profits by creating value for people, then could it win? And it was a big question. I mean, this is like 2008, 2009 when we're having Mm -hmm. this conversation and this was before people start talking about authenticity. Social media mm-hmm. is yeah, like, yeah. Ju- it doesn't even have that name yet. The only thing that's there <laughs> is Facebook. And yeah. so we were really, people told us that we were throwing everything away. We were in technology. That's how you get rich. We were leaving it to go into manufacturing. Like who on earth does that? And our thing was, I get that. I actually get it. And I don't know that this is going to work, but I do yeah. know that that third level of energy. So if you've got diet, exercise, and passion being the third one, Very good. it's like, I can tap into it there. Makes so much sense. Oh, that's so that's brilliant. So that really drove you. I love that. That's very important that we emphasize what you've just said, that it's the diet, the exercise, but it was the passion. And that's so, it's such a guiding, and that's that think, feel, choose passion. You know, you, you actually really are diving into something that will keep you going and keep you in that direction. I get that. You know, if I think about my love for brain science, it drives me. I, I never get tired. If I'm relaxing, I'll go and read more brain science or more research or develop another research study. It, you just never get tired of it. And if, if that's what you, it's not work. I actually have to tell myself to stop doing that. I think it sounds to me like you, you're the same once you're really passionate about something. So there's an energy that we have where we almost have to discipline ourselves to, now you need to go and sleep and take a break from this. And that's the thing that makes the change. It may not always make the billions of dollars, but it will make the value add. I love how you said that. You know, it's value. How can you change people's lives and add value to their lives? Because it's not about us, it's about us in the world. So I think that's been a big part of what you do, isn't it? I mean, you really want to add value to people's lives. Every time I listen to you, I hear you say that. So I think that's really great. So you've interviewed some of some incredible people. I mean, you have like, I love your interviews. What would you say is some of the biggest lessons that you've learned that you could take away from what you've interviewed, who you've interviewed? I know that's huge because you've interviewed so many. That is, but I love it. Top top five. Yeah. Hold my feet to the fire. I think that's good. So I always tell people the interviews don't change me. It was the the research that I did for the interview. Because oftentimes ah. by the time I get to the interview, I can almost answer for them because I've spent so much time. Like I know I where understand they what go. Saying. But researching David Goggins really changed me. And so the most important thing I took from him was when you think that you are broken, you cannot possibly go any farther. You're only 40% of the way there. And I was like, mm-hmm. whoa, that's really impactful. That's- when I interviewed Mark Devine, and, and if you know anything about Goggins history, it's like he's got the resume to back that up. So it's mm-hmm. the the weight of that particular person giving me that particular lesson was really, really Very powerful. powerful. Mark Devine introduced me to meditation. Meditation changed my life. When I think about since that point, the I've had sort of the biggest ups and the biggest downs of my life. And if I hadn't had meditation, what I call background radiation or what I think, and certainly in our interview, you referred to as the tsunami of thought, it would have just really made my life excruciating at, at times. And I'm not joking when I say I'm never more than 45 minutes away from absolute tranquility. So even in, and what I mean by that is just, just by diaphragm breathing, I can shift out of the sympathetic nervous system into the parasympathetic 
And I, I have found at the, the only thing I can imagine this not being as effective on would be grief. So I will say I've not lost a parent. So mm-hmm. I may find that there is, or my wife, Jesus, the one thing that scares me yeah. is that. So I may find that grief is, is sort of to the side of this. So I will say short of that, all the business stress that you could possibly imagine, 45 minutes. That's the longest I've ever had to meditate before I actually got to what I call background radiation zero. So I, I ended up becoming debilitated by anxiety. And and I, I mean debilitated to the point I could not tell a story to four members of my family in a living room because I was about to have a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And I realized it was at that moment I was like, okay, I have to finally admit to my wife that I'm I'm having this problem because I've been hiding it from her for years because I was so embarrassed. It made me feel mm-hmm. weak. So being able to have that tool of meditation to be able to take my background radiation, which is how anxiety goes from specific acute to generalized. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you can't even remember, like, why am I like feeling so anxious right now? Mm -hmm. And so just breathing, I, I would not have believed it. So anyway, he's a Navy SEAL and he said, Tom, stop being a dumbass and just try it. And so I went that night and I tried it and I was like, oh my God, this is transformative. So those were certainly the two biggest. I've learned so much about brain science by researching people. So yeah. I'll sort of blanket. I've had a few people on the show that have all been neuroscientists, yourself included. Yeah. So, you know, that's sort of my favorite category of person yeah. because that's been so fundamental in my life to understand mm-hmm. my brain, to get to the point where I can put it into practice, where I can do things. That's been really, really huge. So, and then just what I'll call the universal principles of success, like how to think Mm -hmm. and grow. I interviewed Carol Dweck, who Mm -hmm. growth mindset again, by the time I had her on the show, like I literally could have asked a question and then sat in her chair and answered because I knew her thinking so well, but that a growth mindset is, is utterly transformative. Totally, totally possibility, growth possibilities mindset. I can't agree with you more. I don't know how you've summarized that. It's it's just everything you've said is just so it relates back to one thing that seems to drive you, which we talked about in my interview, and that's you are a learner. And you did the same. I mean, I noticed you you could you could ask me very in-depth questions because you knew what I was doing, kind of you know, you'd read about my work and everything, which is it, it, you learning all the time. And that's something that for me, um, I've studied learning for years. But when you talk about researching memory and mind brain, which is my work, you can't not bring learning in because every time you think you are actually building memory, which is learning, you're always learning. So you're very hot on learning. So just talk about learning in your life. And you've already demonstrated that with the fact that you research every single person you interview, but you're driven to get knowledge. Why? You're driven to learn. What is it about? The perfect way to ask that question. So one of my life obsessions is to get people to understand at a visceral level what I mean by the following sentence, which is skills have utility. So said another way, skills let you do shit. Like love it. Learning. So here's here I literally have the chills right now because this concept has is so powerful. It's so so good. people can laugh at you in the short term. And people have laughed at me many, many mm-hmm. times. My mother thought I was gonna fail when I left for college. My best friend thought, and this is a quote, I would marshmallow my way through life. When I went to my now father-in-law to ask for his blessing to marry his daughter, he said no. Just like Gosh. on and on and on. And people are always like, oh, you're being humble or whatever. No, no, no. And I'm not, that, that really is the truth of what happened. And then if you were to ask me, do I think that they misidentified me? The answer is also no. That that really was where I was. My mom was mm-hmm. right to think I would fail. My best friend was right to think I would marshmallow my way through life. And my father-in-law was right to be paranoid about me marrying his daughter because the best predictor of future success is past success. And mm-hmm. I didn't have any. So I 
I had ambition, but I didn't have drive yet. And so once I developed drive and sort of stopped letting people laughing at me define who I was and I could go, okay, wait a second, just because they're laughing at me today, they're, they're probably laughing at me for a real reason. And this is what is so hard for people to accept is you really are going to embarrass yourself and people really are making fun of you for real things. And that's brutal. And that's why it's hurting your sense of self. But the great news is that your talent and intelligence are malleable. So when I realized that, I was like, okay, well, then I can get good. And if I can get good, then if I think of myself not through the lens of a moment, right, the momentary failure, the momentary embarrassment, but I think of myself through the lens of a lifetime or maybe more useful, a decade, right? Let's say I'm only going to judge myself over any 10-year running period. And once I started looking at my life in 10-year chunks, it was like, whoa, I've really come a long way. And the, the easy one is the most silly, but the most profound. And if people didn't discount it, they would understand the truth of the human condition, which is from being born to age 10, learning how to walk, not poop in your pants, talk, relationships, play soccer, read a TV guide. That was a big, no one knows what a TV guide is, but that was a big breakthrough for me when I was 10. <laughs> I know what it is. My, yeah. My, my family forced me to learn how to, to read a TV guide and suddenly I could figure out what was on TV. So like, imagine learning how to use a search engine and suddenly it's like, oh my God, I can find anything I want. So the example I always give about why I'm obsessed with learning is if you learn architecture, you can actually build a home. You can build a bridge and it can literally connect two areas that people can drive a car across or walk across. Like it's crazy. And it has all this function and utility. So I stopped worrying about who I was and I became obsessed with who I could become. And then ultimately the price I was willing to pay to get there, which is a huge question life is going to ask of you. And in doing that, I took myself, this is a true story. I took myself from scrounging in my couch cushions to find enough change to put gas in my car to building a billion dollar business and changing my life financially. I mean, just like crazy, crazy, crazy. But the important part of that isn't the sort of wealth punchline. It's who I had to become in order to generate the wealth. And that was somebody who had an arsenal of skills that let me do things. So I always tell people, and it's weird that this has become like this controversial word, but I come seeking power. So that's another way of me saying I am the learner. And what I mean by that is, to me, the definition of power is close your eyes, imagine a world better than this one, open your eyes, and have the skill set to make that world come true. Now, the gap is most people can imagine a better world, but they can't actually make it come true when they open their eyes. And so my thing is, that's the juice. Can you cross the chasm of skill set? Can you figure out what do I actually need to know how to do in order to make that world come true? And then put in the energy and the reps and the cycles. You know, you talk about that 63-day cycle. Yeah. Like, are you actually going to do the work to make the change neurologically? You can measure it. Nobody knows that better than you. So it's like, once you allow yourself to believe in that, it's what I call the only belief that matters. If you believe that through deliberate practice and repetition, you can get better at something, then how you spend your time becomes a spiritual consideration. And it's like, because now your behavior will align with your beliefs. But if you don't believe that you can get better by putting in the energy and the effort, then you won't. Why would you? It wouldn't make any sense. Mm. So once you believe, oh, I can get better, then you start acting in accordance with that. You put in the deliberate practice, you get better, and now you can actually influence the world. And so that's why I'm obsessed. 
What a brilliant answer. And you know what you just did through all that answer that you gave? You were doing the five-step process unconsciously the whole time. So yeah. you were thinking, feeling, and choosing. You were actually thinking, feeling, choosing, building thoughts, and you analyzed. So you you actually grabbed where you were at in that moment when everyone's telling you you've got to marshmallow your way through life. I mean, it's a lovely, lovely phrase and whatever. You took that. You became aware of it. You actually then thought about that. You started putting that on, writing that down, whatever, you started checking how you were going to change that and you started actually going to the active reach, actual skill set. So you were doing that. We do that non-consciously all the time. And you, so you, you shifted into that think, feel, choose, five-step process without even knowing that you're doing it. <laughs> so you were, doing you were doing neuroscience and neuroplasticity, but look what it produced. But you chose. Key to what I'm hearing here is you did the hard work of listening to what people were saying to you, and it made you uncomfortable. And that's what people don't like, being uncomfortable. People are also, and let's talk about that identity thing that you and I discussed a lot when you interviewed me, is that you didn't see yourself. A lot of people, when your identity is shot, they'll think that I am shame. I am bad. It's not that you are bad or you are shame. It's that what you're doing might be marshmallow brain or whatever, not great. So the actions may not be great, but it doesn't make you not. And if you can make that separation, which I believe was one of your steps to the skills that you then started gaining to make the changes in your life, was the ability to hear what people were telling you, be comfortable with being uncomfortable and actually not see yourself as being bad in or taking it into yourself. Because if you did, you would have been crushed. But you saw that as something you were doing separate from who you could be so you separated that out which is brilliant and that gave you enough energy to start actually now doing the action and gaining the skills you needed to move forward so a little bit of analysis there but brilliant what you did and i analyze that for people just to be able to understand the process you've gone through you can do it you and it does everyone's end point is going to be different obviously we know that but the process of making the choice to be uncomfortable to listen to separate out to go to that process that's how we move forward we can't move forward if we don't deal with the pain if we don't look at the uncomfortable if we don't hear those messages so you've really demonstrated that so wow that's fantastic is there something interfering with your happiness? Maybe you just need to talk to someone. I recently discovered Better Help and think they're an amazing solution if you are looking for professional help with your mental health. Better Help will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counsellor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. It's more affordable than traditional offline counselling and financial aid is available. Visit trybetterhelp.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. That's trybetterhelp.com slash Dr. Leaf. And just for my listeners, get 10% off your first month at trybetterhelp.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. The link will also be in the show notes. Okay, so obstacles, you faced a lot of obstacles and you've already described a couple. Can you talk about what, what would you say were the biggest obstacles in your life? And you've also kind of answered this in terms of how you overcame them, but let's just talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, the only real obstacle that I've had to overcome is my own mind. So just thinking myself yeah. incapable at the end of the day is, that's it. So I, I encourage people to do what I call the brain in a vat exercise. So a lot of times people will beat themselves up over something and they just get in that that loop. You actually had a phrase for it, which I love, 
intrusive thoughts. Yep. So you you get in these intrusive thoughts and, and you just go, 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 Hamster go. Hamster wheel. Hamster wheel. Yeah. And I would get obsessed over, you know, I did this thing wrong. I was stupid. I embarrassed myself, whatever. And you just loop, loop, loop. And one day I thought, I watched the movie The Matrix and it gave me like this metaphor to think with, what yeah. if my memories weren't real? And even though I don't believe it, I think they are real. Mm-hmm. I think the times that I did embarrass myself, I actually embarrassed myself. I think it's all 100% real. Yeah. But in asking myself the question and feeling the emotional change in my body, like if those were just total recall style implanted memories and all of it was fake, then I don't need to beat myself up over the stupid things that I've done because the memories aren't real. And mm. simply, because again, I don't believe that to be true. I'm just saying it was the skill, levity that it gave me. It um, gave me the sense of like, oh, I don't need to beat myself up over it. And it made me feel like I could move forward. So I was like, okay, even though it is real, letting go of it and not looping on it will let me move forward. And since I judged the rightness or the wrongness of any action and quite frankly, thought and belief is whether it moves me towards my goals or not, then I'm going to let it go because it doesn't move mm-hmm. me towards my goals to loop around this. So I'm going to let it go. So you know, doing that brain in a vat. What if I hadn't been abused as a child? Like, what if that was just a fake memory? Oh shit. Well then I'm not a bad person. Cause that's mm-hmm. where people go, right? Mm, they get exactly. stuck in this, like, oh, this makes me a bad person. So it's like, no, 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 that was all fake. So it's like, and all I want people to experience is that moment of levity, the, of feeling light, actually maybe a poor use of the word levity, but like a, a, a lightness where you feel like yeah. you can, you can progress and move forward. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. You've explained that so brilliantly. And it's such an incredibly useful, it's outstanding way of, of helping people to move forward. Because we, as you say, people get completely stuck to you know, the hamster wheel. You go around and around and around and you'll just, cr- you'll crash eventually. And then you, you absorb it into yourself. It messes up your identity. But by you separating out and you use the matrix, so your active reach was reconceptualizing it in terms of and of, of being not real, even though you knew it wasn't real, it worked for you to use that. So whatever you can find as an action to help you process something or to help you move to the next level would be something like would be, would be an act of reach. And that help you to separate out and to be able to move forward. And that's very powerful, very, very powerful, because we do get stuck with that wrong narrative and we build those narratives up in our head and it just goes down a rabbit hole. But if you can stand back and observe yourself thinking, which is what we designed to do, which is what you demonstrated that you did, you shifted the whole mindset. You changed the whole way that you you rebuilt the wiring in your brain. And what was fascinating to me, what you said is that even though you knew that wasn't a lie, you told yourself it was a lie because that was what you needed. That was the active reach, the exercise you needed to shift yourself. So your biggest obstacle was your mind. So you learned to use your mind to control your mind. This is brilliant. I love it. You're a case study. You're an excellent case study. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. I love it. Okay. You you did an interview with Jay Shetty where you spoke about the power of facial expressions. Can you talk about this? Because this is also an area that's fascinating and very scientific too. Well, so this is always the conundrum in your and I's work where it's like, will they remember what they said? So my (laughs) obsession with facial expressions, and tell me if in that moment I was speaking about something different, is that there's a feedback loop. So whatever... If you force yourself to smile, you're going to rate your own internal sense of happiness higher than if you force yourself to frown. So there's a reciprocal feedback loop between your physiology and your psychology. And getting a hold of that became really powerful. And it's what I call a physiological hook. So you have physiological hooks. Diaphragm breathing is another one. If you diaphragm breathe, it will pull you into the parasympathetic nervous system. Like there, You can't fight it even if you want to. Like Can't. That is just... 
it is it is the physiological hook that pulls you into that area. If you want to feel happy, and this came from, I don't get angry very easily, but when I get angry, I fucking go crazy. I mm-hmm. redline and I'm just there. And yeah. I would end up wasting a whole Saturday with my wife arguing and fighting over something stupid. And so I had read the study that said, if you like hold a pencil in your mouth and it forces you into a slight smile that you actually change how you feel. And I thought, whoa, then what if I were to laugh out loud? Like, what would that do? And so I began to force myself when I was really angry to just laugh out loud. And like, what would that do? How would that change me? And it it changes you so fast. No one can laugh out loud for 30 seconds and not feel different. And anything where you can change your psychology in 30 seconds, and I'll be honest, it's usually far, far less than that. That's just powerful. So I began to become very conscious of what I was doing with my face, what I was doing with my body posture. I have no idea if that's what Jay and I were actually talking about, but that is a loop people need to be very aware of. I'm so glad you raised that because that is so important for people to understand. There's the mirror image, there's the mirror neural network in the brain. And it's we used to think it was just in one part, but it's across the brain. And it works when you, it works, they're all the neurophysiology that's happening when you force yourself to smile. It only actually works if you've activated the mirror neuron system. And if the mirror neuron system is not activated, it doesn't work as well. And the reason that... It will change you. 30 seconds of laughter will change you. But if you don't have the right mindset behind it, so if your intention is, I don't want to waste a whole day fighting with my wife, I'm going to do whatever I can to calm myself down. That was enough for you to benefit from that exercise. There have been studies done where people just, they don't want to lose. They just want to be, they, they just, they're not going to change. They don't care. And you can make them laugh and nothing changes. There will be a change physiologically, but it won't have the same impact that it did right. where you can. So going, going to that as well, there's also the 30 to 90 second thing. I don't know if you've heard about that, where if someone says something to you, your first 30 to 90 seconds is where you get this massive, it's all this information coming in and it's creating all this response in the brain electromagnetically and chemically and genetically. And it's all this thinking, feeling, choosing. There's a lot. And it's kind of all a mishmash. It's all these waves. Everything's trying to adjust. So the worst thing we can do is respond to an emotional situation quickly. We must always get through the 30 to 90 seconds and then respond. And then then it's a good idea also to respond if you're feeling angry to put the smile on your face or whatever because it helps you do. So it's just a bit of neurophysiology backing up what you've said as well mm-hmm. in terms of, and also a nonverbal communication is 50% of communication. People don't realize that. So this is why one of the things I was saying when you interviewed me, when you become aware, awareness of my facial expression, my impact on other people, what is my, what is my body movement? What's my, am I doing this to someone and making them feel uncomfortable? Am I being more comfortable? You know, that all of that's what you're talking about too. It's it's learning to control that process, becoming more aware of those things, which mm. is super important. Uh, that's I love how you describe that too. Okay, you've experienced failures in your life. You've described that many failures. And once again, over you've overcome them. And I know you've kind of spoken about this, but speak to failure itself and how you have overcome it personally. Yeah. So I'll answer how I've overcome it by explaining how I've changed the way that I think about it, because the punchline is you don't actually have to overcome failure. So one of my one of the beliefs that I hold is that failures are the most powerful teacher you're ever going to have if you're willing to admit that you made one. So the reason that failure is so important is so the pain of the failure, which we're all going to feel, lights up areas of the brain that have to do with focus and memory. So you're more likely to actually remember something that was painful or or heightened in emotion in any way. But pain can be really, really great. So what I encourage people to do is 
realize that making a mistake is not something that should be editing your self-narrative, which is where the pain is coming from. Is like, I think of myself a certain way, and this failure now makes me think, think less of myself. And there's a lot of psychic pain around, oh, man, I have to downgrade my vision of who I am. And that's mm. really, really painful. People will kick up the psychological immune system to protect themselves from that downshift mm. in their sense of self. But that usually comes at the cost of admitting that they made a mistake, which means you don't look at the cause and effect. Like, what happened? Why didn't this work? So what I tell people to do is think like AI, artificial intelligence. So in artificial intelligence, they don't call it a mistake. They call it a sample. So you try mm -hmm. something and you get a result. It's when, when AI, like there's this awesome video of AI learning to play a game called Breakthrough. And it's an old Atari game, and it's just like a simple ball bounces off this thing, and it has to break through these walls. And then once it gets up to the top, it can like break things really fast by bouncing off the ceiling. And the game is playing, and it like misses the ball. And at first, like it just looks so chaotic, it can't even find the ball. It's just moving the paddle around like crazy. Now, you can imagine the AI is not going, oh, my God, I'm so dumb. Like, I couldn't hit the ball like this. I'm terrible. The AI just goes, cool, when I move like that, I didn't hit the ball. The goal is to you know, score points. I'm not scoring points, so obviously that doesn't move me towards my goals, right? Going back to my earlier definition of what's right and wrong. So the paddle finally begins to, okay, cool, that's how I hit the ball. Then the paddle's like, oh, that's how I get a point. And then it's like, this is the most efficient path to getting the point. Mm -hmm. But to get there, it has to do all of these attempts, and the vast majority of them fail. But everything in the failure is giving it information. So the reason, like, if people need a sentence, it's to understand that failure is the most information-rich data stream you will ever encounter. That's it. And so that's all you have to do is think about an attempt gives you a result. That result gives you information. When you have the information, you can adjust and try again from a more intelligent and informed position. And when you repeat that cycle, you become powerful, right? The ability to close mm -hmm. your eyes, imagine a better world, open your eyes, and then do it. Because you've got all of this all these attempts, all of this information, you've learned powerful things, you've increased your skill set, and now you're more effective. So it's like, eh, look, making mistakes always sucks because it usually comes with some level of like, oh man, people saw me do that and it's really kind of lame the way other humans are, like, aha. But yeah. <laughs> if you aren't thinking of yourself through the lens of that moment, but again, you're judging yourself through that decade's worth of like, did I get better? Am I able to do more things than I was able to do, then it's like, well, I'm going to win on a long enough time scale. So that if you shift your thinking over like that, then mistakes become truly powerful because they're so rich in information. Oh, that, you, that was brilliant. I mean, how you explained that was just incredible. Reminds you of Thomas Edison when they asked him about yes. that. So he he is one of the, you, like, whenever you talk about mistakes, you have to bring up Edison. You have to bring up Edison, yeah. Possibilities, like that he, he, he knows a thousand things that didn't work. I mean, as you were talking, that that was just flashing in my mind. But you, that, that's what. We, but you know, we we know this. We we people have heard this this before, and but you explain it with such clarity. We've got to get people shifting to actually not battering themselves when they do make mistakes, because people are so hard on themselves when they make mistakes. And that's what I've found with I've done it myself, but shifted my mindset. Now, I mean, I just see it as this is great, more information like you've just described. But to help people to shift, because that's a lot of people's. Don't you think a lot a lot of people lose their sense of identity because of mistakes. They think, oh, I'm so bad. I made a mistake. But it's if we can shift that and say, hey, this is great. Now I know what I don't, like Thomas Edison said, now I know a thousand things that don't work. And your AI example, you know, it's just, it opens your mind. And I always talk about it as a possibilities mindset. You develop a possibilities mindset because now everything is information like you described. You can learn all this. You can take all this for all the different possibilities that you could move into in the future. 
Love it. I love that. That's such a great way of dealing with it. Success and failure are totally linked, aren't they? No question. No question about that. Okay, so you, the negative thoughts, how, how have you dealt with negative toxic thoughts? Because I know you've so, had them. Yeah. And Today. <laughs> yeah. So I would tell people, don't don't try to silence the negative voice. It seems pretty futile. The way that I think about it is as a habit loop trigger. So if every habit that you run needs some sort of trigger to remind you to do it, then let the negative thought be the habit loop trigger to an empowering thought. And man, mantras and mottos and things like that. Oh, God, they sound so stupid, but they're so powerful. The brain takes as true that which you repeat. So if you repeat negative things, your brain will go, well, it must be true. I really must be a moron. I really must be marshmallowing my way through life, whatever. Yeah. If you repeat, no, 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 I'm the learner. I can do this. I can get better. Yes, I'm terrible right now, but I know that I can improve. I just need to put in the energy. Then if you repeat that, your brain's going to go, yeah, 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 that actually is true. And one thing at a neuroscience level that blew me away, and I've used this in my life so powerfully, I hope people will hear this. Yes, I hope your so too. Brain, your brain is going to justify at whatever amplitude you react. So if something terrible happens and you freak out, your brain goes, oh my God, this really is a big deal. If something wonderful happens and you react big, your brain goes, man, this really must be that exciting. If something sort of whatever and you react big, your brain goes, whoa, this is either terrible or amazing depending on how you react. And you can literally rewire your response to something just by raising the amplitude of things. And so... When I get in that habit loop trigger, I think something negative, I downplay that, oh yeah, that's not a big deal. I habit loop trigger into something powerful, positive, and then when I get some even microscopic gain from that, I'm like, whoa, look at that, it worked, this is amazing. And I take that even now, if people wanna know how I do this stuff, I'm doing it right now. I could literally shut off. I have a a performative layer right now. Mm -hmm. I could turn it off and talk completely calmly. And then my brain is going to interpret the things that I'm saying one way. But if I get back into amped up mode and I'm like really embodying my passion, then I'm reinforcing in my own mind, like, yeah, man, this stuff is rad. Like this really works. And that's how I cement this stuff in my mind. Part of it is Very through good. what I call thinkitation, right? Just thinking about it, what you call thinking Reflect. moments. Yeah. And then some of it is just saying it out loud to people, but saying it in a way where I actually embody how hyped I am about it to reinforce that it is cool. And then it just all begins to to coalesce in my mind. Beautiful. So you're using all from a neuroscientific perspective, you're using all, I love that, you're using all of the senses to help you to rebuild and rewire your brain. So you're using neuroplasticity, you're drawing on it, but you're using your mind to change your brain. That's literally what you're doing. And then through the repetition, you're building a nice healthy tree. You have to show the healthy tree there instead of the toxic tree. So that's that's brilliant. I love that. And that's, uh, it's so I'm so glad you brought up about the raising the voice and embodying the passion and you know use your hands or whatever, because that really does help shift. You know, as soon as you bring your, all your senses in, multi-sensor, your brain loves multisensorial stimulation. So if you do the touch and the feel and the and, and the, the volume and the expression, it definitely does help. So those are some of the things I would tell my patients to do with the active reach. Bring in those, say those, don't just read them in a bland voice, your little statement or your thought. Do it with the expression. So thank you for bringing that up because it's such a simple but powerful way of, of changing things in the brain. I love that. That's amazing. Okay. What are some of the common ways that you have found people sabotage their own happy, happiness or success? You know, maybe personal, professional, physical. People allow themselves to think thoughts that are ultimately counterproductive. So I, I mentioned this earlier. I'm obsessed with this idea of do not think or believe anything that moves you away from your goals. Mm. So. 
what's your goal? You you want to be happy? Cool. If I would advise you to go more towards fulfillment, but we'll we'll sort of use them as stand-ins right now. So yeah. if you know that you want to be fulfilled, if you want happiness in your life, then it's like, okay, well, what are the things that move you in the opposite direction? And we're going to immediately do pattern interrupt, which I'm sure people have heard you talk about. You're going to pattern interrupt that stuff so that you get out of that loop. You're not on that hamster mm-hmm. wheel anymore. And then you're going to begin to craft an identity that doesn't allow that thought tsunami to keep building where you think every mistake, every inadequacy, all of that says something permanent about who you are and that you're never going to be as good or whatever. And you can, you know, manage your mindset, manage your thinking. I mean, things that your audience I know knows very, very well. And then you can begin to build towards that happiness. But if you don't recognize that you're having a biological experience that your brain uses heuristics and rules of thumb and has, you know, from an evolutionary perspective, it's got all this momentum of thinking in a certain way, acting in a certain way that kept you alive, but it may not be helping you move towards happiness, right? Your propensity to believe negative things more than positive Mm -hmm. things. The fact that people are more afraid to lose something than they are excited about gaining something. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's so many things your brain does that don't necessarily push you towards happiness, but you have like the physiological hooks that we talked about, or even just motivation. Be aware of your motivation. Mm -hmm. If you're one of those people that's like, I don't want to be happy. Either I don't deserve to be happy. It doesn't match my identity Mm -hmm. or what I've done in the past, what happened to me in the past, you know, or something else. It's recognizing that you're telling yourself that story, that you're holding on to that, that you have become addicted to your suffering or, you know, that your identity is wrapped up in your suffering. And just understanding why you do what you do, getting that level of awareness, as you well know, is critical. That's brilliant. And you've just described the five steps perfectly there. Because it's, you've just said you've got to be aware of what you're doing, that's self-sabotaging. You've got to think about why, ask yourself the why questions, and then start making those statements, either writing them down, but start getting oh, them. I'm a that psycho sort of, for journaling, 100%. There you go, because it totally changes. It gets, as we spoke about, the energy, whatever, so writing it down, seeing what you're saying. Sometimes until you write it down, you don't even realize what you're saying about yourself. That was That's very revealing when you write stuff. And then you talked about, okay, what can you say instead of that? That's a recheck step. And then you actually start saying it with all the passion. So you're doing the five steps all the time, Tom. <laughs> Agreed. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, so let's talk about this fulfillment and purpose thing. You know, I, I love that because you spoke about, because people will say, I want to just be happy. I want to be rich, you know. But you talk about fulfillment and that's very deep. Fulfillment's very broad and, and, and deep. Let's talk about fulfillment and purpose as opposed to just being happy or the surface external things because we do live in an environment where we where the extrinsic is very dominant I mean we think if I get enough of something and put enough courses enough wellness enough diets enough exercise I'll be happy but it's not from the outside in it's from the inside out that's how I understand how, how you talk about it I know this is a big thing for you fulfillment yeah so my thing is I can give you the punchline of life which is It's not about money. It's not about fame. It's not about accolades. It's not about any of that stuff. The only thing that matters is how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself. So Mm, when there's no distractions. so good. How you feel about yourself when you're by yourself. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you there. But how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself. That is so good. So I think people know that intuitively, which is why Mm. they seek distraction, because if they haven't done the work to to be okay, and there's a great quote, I actually thought of it when the roles were reversed and I was interviewing you, but I didn't want to interrupt you, which is, you know, all of man's problems stem from the fact that he can't sit in a a room by himself. And like Mm -hmm. people, they they cannot just be alone with their thoughts because they haven't done the hard work to get to a point where 
you know, they, they can make peace with the mistakes and all the stuff that they've done wrong or the traumas that have happened to them, or they don't own their ambitions and their desires and their role in making all of that come true. So, like, even just run the thought experiment. How many billionaires have to kill themselves before you realize that money is not going to solve the problem, right? So, once you can accept that, and, and money is an easy one because so many people chase it. Mm. Money's super powerful. Mm. It's actually more powerful, I think, than most people realize. Mm-hmm. It just is not what people think it's going to be. So people mm-hmm. think because they admire people with money, they think, well, I'll admire myself if I had that level of money. And it doesn't work like that. So I had the good fortune of I generated my wealth in a company. So I was wealthy on paper for a long time before I was wealthy in real life. So one, I understood sort of the dichotomy of, yeah, if you were to check my net worth, it would tell you I'm worth hundreds of millions of dollars, but I'm driving a beat up car. So it's like, like, do I really feel wealthy? No. So, and then when we sold a small piece of the company, it was like, I went from, you know, I'm checking my bank accounts normal. I wasn't struggling at that point by any means, but, you know, hitting refresh, refresh, refresh on my banking app. And suddenly, you know, I'm very wealthy. And I was like, wow, what's so interesting is in this moment where I now have all this money, every insecurity I have failed to deal with up to this point is still there. So Mm. it it has not touched anything about how I feel, Mm -hmm. literally nothing. So it is a facilitator and that's it. Mm-hmm. So doing the hard work and, and I will say that fulfillment is often born out of suffering. So if I were to take your story and you were to, if I had you in an fMRI and I was scanning your brain, I guarantee mm-hmm. if I wanted fulfillment centers to light up in your brain, I would ask you about the time during apartheid South Africa where you mm-hmm. were going into underprivileged areas and you were helping people there and you saw the trauma, the hurt, but you also saw mm-hmm human capacity for change and growth and joy and benevolence and doing that hard work and facing those difficulties is the very thing that is going to build a brick of who you are and how you see yourself where it's like, man, I did the hard stuff. And that's why if somebody comes to me and they say, I don't have any self-esteem, I'm like, rad, I know exactly what you need to do. Start going to bed at 9 PM. Like it's a religion. Don't set an alarm get whatever sleep you need so that you can start waking up early. Because once you get your sleep caught up, you're going to be waking Mm -hmm. up at like 5 a.m. if you Mm -hmm. go to bed at nine. That's eight hours. Mm -hmm. So you're going to get up. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to go work out. Simple as. You're going to get your ass in the gym. Then you're going to meditate. And then you're going to eat right. If you do those simple things, denying yourself having a cookie or a cake or a pizza or whatever is your food problem of choice, simply not eating that will make you feel better about yourself. Mm-hmm. Going to the gym and doing hard things will make you feel better about yourself. Mm-hmm. Taking a cold shower sucks, but it will make you feel better about yourself because it's you a difficult thing. Yeah, exactly. As I feel Wim Hof says, yeah. <laughs> For sure. And it, it is gospel truth. So doing hard things actually makes you feel better about yourself. It's one of the weird quirks of human nature. But once you understand that and you leverage that, then you can really begin to get some momentum. So doing all of those things make you feel fulfilled if you're doing them for a reason. So the goal of life should be to see how much of your 
potential you can turn into actual usable skills and then use those skills in service of something bigger than yourself. So as humans, we're a social mm-hmm. creature. So if you're doing something to add value to other people's lives, but you're doing it with a skill set that matters to you, that you worked really hard to build, then it becomes really powerful. So for me to mm-hmm. put all the time and energy into learning how to tell stories, because I love that act, right? Just the act of telling stories is yeah. powerful. And so I love it. And I've spent a lot of time getting good at that. So I have a unique skill set. But now to leverage it, to make sure that nobody around the world ever gets to the age of 15 without encountering a growth mindset. I can't make them adopt it, but at least I can make sure that they encounter it. So it's like, okay, that means something to me. That matters to me. That gives me mm-hmm. purpose. That that gets me up. That pushes me through hard times. So it's like doing all of that makes me feel fulfilled. So now when I make a mistake or I mess up or people attack me or whatever, I'm resilient to that because I've worked so hard to do something that is useful for myself, for sure. I'm not being selfless, but it also allows me to serve other people. And that is sort of that ultimate cocktail. That's beautiful. You know, it reminds me of when I was working in South Africa at that time and I was doing my PhD in that time period. And one of the closing statements in my PhD was everyone can learn how to learn. And it was a driving force for me that and then if you teach someone to think they will actually find love, literally. And and love being a huge, big, not airy-fairy, but the concept of actually making a difference in humanity, having the purpose and fulfillment. And it was two things that drove my whole career. And it's been always been the driving force, teaching people how to learn, teaching people how to think. And so I'm just relating that to my life. So if you, that's that's been what's been very fulfilling for me, whether it's had its financial things along the way, yes, there have been, et cetera. But the most important thing was that fulfillment of teaching people how to learn and teaching people how to think and seeing that impact. And that's what I'm hearing you say. That's the cocktail. When you find that fulfillment comes from when you have that deep, intense satisfaction that you're achieving that kind of those those goals. I love it. I love how you express things. You just do it so well. I could listen to you all day. You. <laughs> so amazing. Striving to stay focused or with brain fog? If you're dehydrated, the ability to focus on one task almost completely vanishes. Thankfully, there is a solution to rapid hydration, liquid IV. What makes liquid IV so effective? Cellular transport technology, CTT, which is the optimal ratio of glucose, sodium and potassium and delivers water and nutrients into the bloodstream. It's the perfect balance to help you hydrate quickly and more effectively than water alone. One stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water can give you as much hydration as two to three bottles of plain water. I always make sure to have liquid IV added to my water on days I know I need to focus, like today. I've been working on my new book all day, as well as recording podcasts. Thankfully, liquid IV is helping fuel me through it all. Get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code DRLEAF at checkout. That's 25% of anything you order on Liquid IV's website. Just go to liquidiv.com and enter the promo code Dr. Leaf to save 25% and get better hydration. That's liquidiv.com, promo code Dr. Leaf. Don't wait. Start properly hydrating today. The link and offer details will be in the show notes. 
Okay, so you talk about a lot about challenging our thinking and going on edge. I mean, this is the whole learning concept, challenging our thinking, going out. Just talk more about that because you just explained it so beautifully. Why should we do that? Why should we keep building our brain? I teach a lot around mental health. One of the biggest components of mental health that's very unfulfilled is the fact that we don't build our brains correctly or enough. We should be learning and growing our brain all the time. And it changes how the brain functions. It increases resilience. And so with my patients, I would work number one on identity. Like a session would be structured around identity brain building and then we would work on trauma stuff you know toxic stuff and the hard stuff so I'd get them to a point where and then all the preparation stuff as well but there would be this preparatory thing and then put them into this learning stage where they were challenged and then that would put them ready that got them ready to be able to actually do the hard work of dealing with issues etc etc so that's been my experience what is your experience about learning and getting out there and putting yourself on the edge so there's Ultimately, I probably won't actually do this, but I should write a book called The Physics of Being Human. So there are certain things that are just true about the human animal. And one of those things that's true about the human animal is a desire for progress. So we're an active species. We don't sit still. I think that one of the surest ways to become depressed is to not move, not be pursuing anything, not be pushing yourself to grow and get better. As a species, we have chosen culture as our ultimate weapon to become the apex predator. So we don't have the sharpest teeth. We're certainly not the strongest, but we are able to stand on the shoulders of the giants who came before us by easily learning what they, you know, it might take somebody 20 years to write a book and it takes us a week to read it. So you can learn in a mm. week what they took 20 years. I mean, that's mm. really extraordinary. That's powerful. And yeah. Very. And so when you think about like, I'm literally looking over your shoulder and I see all the books and it's like, if each one of those, I mean, even if you say that there are only two or three years that went into writing those books, it's like, that's a lot of years of learning on that shelf. Like, and that's a small shelf compared to a library. It's like the amount of information that you can get from all the people that came before yeah. you. So it's like, that's the... Lovely. strategy that our ancestors or our species, a better way to say it, chose, right? So horses come pre-programmed with everything. They can get up and walk around and run right when they're born. Humans cannot. Your brain doesn't stop developing until you're 25. So it's like we're able to drink in all this information to let the environment really influence us, which allows us to leverage culture. So to make sure that we did that, since that's what we chose as a species, that's got to be rewarding in some way, right? So nature doesn't incentivize you to have children and incentivizes sex and it sneaks in the kids part. So it's like, that's how you get these things. So joy and connection is intensely pleasurable. So that's why you pair bond. That's why you get groups. It's better for the longevity of the tribe that you're in. So it's just like all these things become pleasurable. Connecting with somebody is pleasurable to make sure you do it, to make sure that you would fight for them and protect them, which makes them more likely to live. Same reason the parents just go crazy for their children. So yeah. When you realize that part of the physics of being a human is that you will be emotionally rewarded by developing your potential into skill set. So that will feel good. So simply doing that is a way to tap into that to feel good. I mean, it literally is just something that's going to make you feel better. It's going to make you feel like you're growing. It is a pillar of fulfillment to make progress. Mm, I love that. That's so beautifully said. And just so, uh, just, just the way you've 
defined the concept of 20 years of research or whatever, 30 years of research you can read in a week. How privileged we and how brilliant our brains that we can do that. And you said something earlier on that kind of relates to this too, that, and you were so spot on because this is an area I've studied as well in my research, is we our intelligence isn't, it isn't static. It constantly grows. You know, and that's, it's flexible. It never stays the same. So as you're learning and, and challenging yourself, you're growing your intelligence. It's, there's no limit. We were told for years that intelligence is limited, but it's not. It's you're as intelligent as you want to be. So the more you learn, the more you increase your intelligence. And it goes to what you said as well. Our brain takes 25 years more or less to mature, but it grows for the rest of our life because of neuroplasticity. So we have this incredible ability. And the more we do it, the the, the more a sense of peace we get. Even so, in amongst, I talk about freaking out in the love zone. You can, things happen, but you in that sense of peace when you keep developing your mind and your brain. I love what you say. Okay, so you're a big proponent of raw and honest feedback. So when people give raw, honest feedback and it's good, bad, whatever, it can sometimes be when it's hard, harsh stuff, hard pill to swallow. But once again, it's a learning experience. Can you talk about how you deal with criticism and what advice you can give? Because it can be a hard Hard pull to swallow. Yeah, but th this goes back to the only belief that matters. So if you really believe, like really, really, no BS, if you mm -hmm. really believe that you can improve, then mm. the question becomes, well, do you know what to improve? Mm, so, so good. if you're not sure that you know what to improve, you simply need to ask. Now, the reason that people don't mm -hmm. do it is they don't want to plant in somebody's mind something negative. So they don't want to say, they're hoping that that person only thinks positive things. And they're afraid if I say, hey, tell me something you don't like, that they'll then think of something that they otherwise wouldn't have thought of. So, ah, it's better just not. Uh, My thing is, think about all the negative things that you think about other people, all the things that they're doing wrong that you immediately know and notice. And asking them for that feedback simply removes a blind spot from you and allows you to get an insight that you might not otherwise be able to generate for yourself. So it becomes mm -hmm. incredibly powerful. And if you stop judging yourself through the lens of a moment, this is not something I imagine would become a recurring frame in this in this interview, but that that is so yeah. powerful. And you realize, okay, wait, it is going to suck. When they tell me that they think X, Y, Z, and I realize, man, it really is true. And mm -hmm. now they're thinking about it and they're articulating it. And it's like, oh God, and I have to take that on set that aside and realize yeah. if I'm willing to stare at that and, and go, yeah, that really is true. And now I actually know, and now I can make progress towards that. Or by the way, just go, okay, cool. That's not worth the time and energy for me. I'm not going to focus on that is what it is. You begin to realize you have agency. So mm. you gave me a piece of information. I can choose to go, okay, cool. I'm just going to set that aside or no. Wow. That's really powerful. And I think it will be really important for me to get good at that. And so it becomes a question of, do you actually want what you say you want? And this is where mm -hmm. most people, like when people come to me and say, hey, look, my life isn't what I want it to be, X, Y, Z. I don't, you don't, ah, don't tell me anything else. I will tell you one thing about yourself. That thing you say you want, you don't want badly enough. Mm -hmm. No value judgment. I'm not saying that makes you a bad person. I'm just mm -hmm. saying when you want that thing, like a drowning man wants their next breath of air, you will find a way. So my thing is, are you going to do the work to want it badly enough? or? Should you not like, cause there are really, there are sort of two mm -hmm. avenues before you, you can go the Buddhist path and let go of all desire and stop wanting and just be, and that is a perfectly valid life choice. On the other hand, if you're like, I want greatness, well then greatness is going to demand a gigantic price from you. And you're mm -hmm. going to have to actually want it badly enough to go through it. And so a long time of this years ago, but I happened to say it on camera. And so it's part of like the, the reel that we play before I speak or something like that. And it says, if you want a stress-free life, I'm not your guy, but if you absolutely want to be remembered by history, I'm your man. So it's like, 
I can help people that want to go all in like that. Like they really want to push themselves and grow and get better. Mm -hmm. Like I can help you there because that's what my bent is towards that Mm -hmm. obsession with progress and all that. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I've learned it that even desire, even passion is a process. Like you can go from being sort of meh to like, no, 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 this is the core central thesis of my life. And unless I make this come true, like nothing will have mattered that you can actually walk that path. But the one thing I will say is if you go down that path and you decide that you're going to go all in, like it's either this or nothing, burn the shift. Ah, just remember only, Mm. only value yourself for the sincere pursuit of that. Don't make contingent your value upon actually getting it because the struggle is guaranteed, but the success isn't never will be and can't. Mm, That is so important. What you said, focus on the process not on the end product. Don't make it contingent on actually the end product because you don't quite know what that's going to look like. That is but brilliant. But do value yourself for sincerely going after it. Like after, if you want to yeah, be the greatest of so all time, good. you probably won't ever be the greatest of all time. Sad. That breaks my heart. Trust me. But yeah. if you show up every day and you're actually playing like somebody, you're doing what you would need to do to become the greatest of all time, then whether or not you ever get there is irrelevant. You will become so much more powerful. And one of my favorite quotes, I've become mm. obsessed with this, is... So we all talk about potential and you can do anything. I literally tell people you can do anything you set your mind to without limitation. Now, I know that's a lie, but it's an empowering lie. And so I act in accordance. So my favorite quote, one of my favorite quotes is, you can't make a racehorse out of a pig, but you can make a really fast pig. So that that is my, my bit of advice to people. You may not ever become the fastest, the best, the greatest, whatever. Yeah. Man, you can 100x your abilities by just going down the path and acting as if you can become the greatest. That's so brilliant. That's a complete reconceptualization of the concept of achieving potential. It's a completely looking at it from a totally different way where you're focusing on process and the and, and what you put into the process as opposed to the end goal. And it goes to something that I always tell people, yes, goals are okay, but they can actually be very limiting because people are so stuck on that, they forget about the process. So you've just put that into a nutshell and hook that in with and part of that is being able to take criticism because it's part of your growth process because you've got to learn from those things like the failures and criticism it's all part of it brilliant absolutely brilliant you have a really beautiful relationship with your wife and a great story so what do you think are some of the keys to a successful marriage especially i mean you you're a businessman you're busy and you know you can relationships can get neglected but you you have you've seemed to have struck a really great balance and i mean i work my husband and i live and work together we you mean the same business so we together 24 7 and what's your take on this yeah so there's a reason that people say that communication is the key right and it really is and being really honest with people even when it's hard it would be so much more convenient to just be like yes you look great in that if they don't then you need to say it because this is what I told my wife when we're 85 and you're a bag of wrinkles. I want you to know when I look at you and I say, you are still beautiful to me. I need you to know that I'm being truthful because I have been truthful a million other times leading up to this moment, including when it was really hard. So I'm just telling you, like, I see something maybe other people don't see. Maybe I even see something you don't see but I need you to believe me. And so that, and also I feel a deep sense of connection that is born of just feeling like I'm seen my foibles, my insecurities, my everything 
and I'm still connected to this person. Commitment is a huge thing. So when I got with my wife, I was like, look, you're super hot now, but you're not going to be hot forever. And I need you to understand that I'm not with you because I don't find other people attractive. I do. Like there are other people that are scorchingly hot, but I'm with you because we're sharing a life. Like I'm committed to you. So you don't have to worry. I'm never going to trade you in for a better, better model or anything like that. Like (laughs) I I want to share this life with you. I want to be completely who I am. I want you to be completely who you are. And in that bond, in that connection, in a shared life, there is something that is irreplaceable. And Mm. it it a sharing a life with somebody is the only thing that can't ever be sped up. Twenty years together takes twenty years together. Mm. And and my wife, literally, we are I think five months away, six months maybe from our twenty years together. And. Yeah, it's like that's legit. We've been thank you. We've been together a long time. And yeah. so it's like that shit is real. That is like moments where you were sick and mm-hmm. moments where you were terrified, moments where you were a champion. Like yeah. you've been together through it all, like helping oh, to yeah. shape each other. And it's like celebrating that and evolving together and both having a growth mindset. That's huge, by the way. Yeah. The fact that we both yeah. have a growth mindset has, has served us just huge. insanely well. And then we never weaponize each other's insecurities. That's a big one. So if you tell me something like here's, here's a phrase that should haunt everybody. And then everyone should act in the exact opposite direction. You don't divorce the same person you marry. Now, my mission in life Mm -hmm. is to be the same person, no matter whether I'm in an up moment in that relationship and this friends, family, business colleagues, anything that I am always going to be the same person. If you hurt me, I'm going to be the same person. If I'm angry, same person, happy, same person. Like I'm always going to be the same because I, I pride myself on, I have a code that I live by and that code has nothing to do with how you act. So my wife, knowing that about myself or knowing that about me, that I'm never going to hurt you. I'm never going to intentionally. I'm never going to leverage something you tell me now. Even if you have an affair on me, I won't throw this back at you ever. And because she's seen me have a thousand opportunities where, hey, remember that thing that you confessed to me a year ago that I could use right now and it would end this argument? You would shut up literally in seconds if I said that thing. I'm not going to say it. Cause that's cruel. Mm, like mm. knowing that you can give somebody like, I feel insecure about this thing. And that person takes that in their hands and says, Hey, let's work through this. And by the way, no matter how much I might mm. want to leverage this against you at some point in the future, I will never. never. Mm. And, and then you have to live into that 20 years in. And I've never weaponized my wife's insecurities against her ever. Even though there are times mm. in an argument, where I'm like, Oh man, like I have the perfect thing to stop this argument right yeah. now. And it would destroy my marriage, which is why I would never do it. And if mm. I can ramble, one last Post. thing. Please, so please. We, in this house, we never say the D word. I don't joke about it. Mm. I don't tease about it. The D word being divorce. Literally, I even call it the D word. Even in this interview, I'm weird about saying that word out loud. Yeah. So I read a book called The Power of Myth. I'm trying to condense this stuff. I no, read a book called so The Power of Myth. And in the book, Joseph Campbell talks about how one of the reasons he thought that modern marriage was falling apart and that 50% in divorce is there's no like really strong coming of age ritual. There's no really strong marriage ritual. And so you're not different before and after. Mm. And I thought, wow, that's actually really powerful. So when I got married, I went through a ritualistic scarification. And I wanted to be different the day before my marriage and the day after. And so I got a, in common parlance, I got a tattoo. So I didn't want a tattoo. 
It was like my biggest fear was needles at the time. And so I was like, this is really me facing A, it's going to be painful. B, it is something I'm scared to do. And C, it's something I don't want. I've never gotten another tattoo since then. And I got a tattoo to say I am. It was basically my promise to my wife. And in getting that, I reminded myself and the whole time I was doing it and I'm in the pain and I'm sitting there thinking, I am doing this to remind myself I am now a different person and divorce is not an option. I will never break up with this woman. Now, look, of course, there. my wife shorthands it to you can't beat or cheat. So if I beat her or I cheat on her, that's it. End of relationship. So it isn't us saying that we would stay in something that was toxic. I wouldn't. It's me committing to never letting it become toxic. Oh, that is beautiful, powerful, and just phenomenal. You've you've just packed up the whole of brilliant marriage of us. I've been married 32 years, and I can back up everything that you say there. That is just but the way you said it is beautiful. You really are a great storyteller and just the way you express things. Tom, this has been amazing. I could talk to you all day. You have so many pearls of wisdom about so many facets of life. And I just want to thank you and honor you for your learning that you do and the way that you absorb things and the way that you express them to us to help us be better people. Every time I listen to you, I feel like I've learned something and I'm empowered and I feel better about doing what I do. And I can do it even better than I did it before. So I just want to thank you for that. And I hope we can have another conversation. I hope you'll come back again sometime and that we'll keep talking. Definitely. Thank you so much. It's been fantastic. Thank you so much. It's been absolutely amazing. Thank Thank you. you. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors.